in our series of God's plan for God's people. This is very vivid. This is very clear, uh, very complete instructions for the disciples as Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven. Uh, Next week in Acts chapter 1, we'll see some of the distinctives about that transition. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to that. I want you to come with an understanding today. This is not like your driver's test. Who can remember the driver's test? Got a pass the license. You did all the driving, you did all the practice, and then it comes all the way down to that test. Who failed? No, I'm not going to ask who failed. <laughs> I failed. <laughs> all right. Um, I won't make you put your hand up on that one. This is not game seven of the World Series, two outs, the bottom of the ninth. This is not your employee review where you feel all anxious about everything. This is the learning, the growing process. This is the wide view. The things that we're learning in this series should be encouraging us and challenging us to step by step live more and more in obedience to the Lord. So this is much like we have a trainer in the car uh, with us who uh, is helping us and narrating while we're driving and we're learning. Uh, Hopefully this series feels a lot more like that and the opportunities that we have for your growth uh, will feel the same way. We don't want this to feel uh, so tense that we have to get it all uh, right now today. So let's understand, uh, before we talk about obedience, we have to know uh, to what are we or who are we called uh, to obedience And that is Jesus. He makes clear in this. We cannot understand the Great Commission without understanding authority. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is a broad statement. It applies to every living thing. It applies to this entire planet. It certainly applies to every man, woman, and child ever born. All authority belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why we're here. We worship him, love him, we seek to obey him. And if you're learning about that, know that it is possible to grow. That is why Jesus gives the commission. It's not a heavy-handed elbow on your skull kind of authority. It is a loving authority, but it is authority Nonetheless, it it sometimes does come with discipline, but it comes with tons of encouragement as well. I hope you feel built up. Here's just an example of Jesus' authority. Uh, There's a a point when uh, Jesus calms a storm and the the disciples that are with him, they feel so threatened and, and everybody marvels. He says, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him. This is someone who has authority over nature. We find out throughout the Gospels that he has authority over physical uh, health, uh, healing, disease. Jesus has authority. And so I encourage you today to pick a master in your life and serve him. The best master I can find anywhere is Jesus. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that. But I hope that we realize that one way or another, we do serve some master We either try to serve ourselves or we'll try to serve what other people think of us or we'll serve a false God that will never fulfill us or we'll serve one true God and his son Jesus. Paul calls that role of authority uh, slavery and that has a very negative connotation and rightly so in our history and in the history of the world. This should be viewed not that way. It should be viewed in a sense where there is joyful service but to one who has 
ownership over, over us, who has control of our lives. And, and we give that authority to him uh, because he has it. He died for us. He was buried in a tomb. He rose from the dead. Uh, that is what we uh, want to uh, recognize. That is how Jesus got his authority. And so uh, we are brought to a, a choice. Will we obey Jesus? Will we be led by him? Will we enter into God's promises through faith? If we do, if we seek that, Jesus makes it very clear and plain. If we love him, we will seek to keep his commandments. That's what we will do. Jesus told his disciples this, the last night that he spent with them on earth before his death on a cross. If you love me, you will obey my commands. commandments. All right. Next, what does he command? Everybody knows what to do. Everybody wants to know what to do. If you were starting a new job tomorrow morning, you'd go in and you would say, what do I do? I know the job description, but tell me how this place works. How does it all fit together? Uh, what is my role going to be? You're going to want to know what you're doing. Before we can jump into all the what's and specifics of disciple making, and I won't be able to cover it all today, we're going to stick to these verses. I want to let you know, again, this is the wide approach. It's not the narrow, tight, squeezed, pressure approach. I hope today challenges you and encourages you, and that you can glean, begin to glean from what Jesus challenged his disciples. A wide view affirms parts where we may be doing well, but also allows us to be challenged. That's uh, probably how any of us want to be trained and built up in what we're doing. We want to know what we're doing well. We want to know where we can improve. Uh, the word of God is always uh, that way. Let me highlight this for you. We'll get into some of this a little bit more specifically when we sprint through uh, some, what I would call, journalistic investigation about these verses, which we'll get into in a minute. But we see that our main verb in, the, in this command is to make disciples. Uh, baptizing and teaching support, in the way the grammar is structured, they support the main verb of make disciples. So that's the command. You may scratch your head. You may wonder, uh, what is that all about? Well, I'm going to go through some things here uh, that, will, that will show you that. But I also want to show you that uh, when, when the disciples uh, finally were filled by the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit's role next week, uh, they, they knew what to do. They started baptizing, and they started teaching. And they went, and they did what Jesus asked them to do. And friends, you and I can have the exact same experience that the disciples had. The Holy Spirit can fill us and use us that we may make disciples, baptizing and teaching, just like Jesus put it down. All right, so that's our obedience. We are under Jesus' full authority. He commands making disciples. That's what he wants to do. God's plan for God's people. Uh, we want to make disciples. So about making disciples, what what about it? Well, you see on the outline, if you have the bulletin in front of you, we're going to ask some questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and then a really important question at the end. Now, you know that um, I'm not going to spend loads and loads of time on every single one of these. I want to stick to the verses, but I also want to zoom out just a little bit to know uh, and include some of the things that we know about the way Jesus operated, the way that he worked with his disciples, and as they learned how they would have been challenged to obey this commandment, to make disciples. God, would you prepare our hearts today to be challenged in obedience? Oh, I've been praying for that this week. Okay, who? Who? About making disciples. Well, who? What do we, where do we start? Where do we do? It involves people believing 
and growing. Every single one of the 11 disciples that are with him at the end of this, at one point, they did not believe in Jesus. And then at some point in their development, they did. Part of making disciples is seeing people who do not believe, believe. It is so exciting. Know that that can happen to you today. If you do not believe, you came into this room and you say, I am not sure whether I really believe in Jesus or not. That you could hear the message that you cannot impress God, that Jesus died to forgive you of every single sin you've ever committed against God. He was buried in a tomb. It seemed final. But by God's great power and authority, he raised Jesus from the dead. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that lives in you and me. And you can respond to that message and you can enter in in faith and you can experience a freedom and forgiveness and a desire to obey Jesus that you never had before. And that is part of making disciples. People who don't believe, believe. And not because of us, but because of the power of God's message. Oh, it's exciting. I hope you feel that. But it's not just believing. It's not just counting how many conversions, how many people converted or made a decision or prayed a prayer. We believe in those things. They, they change our lives when we make a commitment and we enter into the promises through faith. But we want to grow. And in here, in our culture in the United States, what we might call the West, we are embarrassed with the riches of resources to grow in our faith. You can tune on the radio and hear sermons all morning long. Uh, you can get on podcasts and you can listen to sermons you didn't hear in the morning on the internet all afternoon or any hour of the night. We have all kinds of encyclopedias and volumes upon volumes of books that are available for a, a few, uh, the cost of a coffee every month that you can get on a, on, a, on a website subscription service. All this stuff is available. Any translation of the Bible. We have all of it available. We can grow. We can grow in our knowledge. That's what, that's what it is. It's, it involves people believing and growing. This is expressed very well. Uh, this is an image that um, we use from time to time to explain discipleship. It, it is a wheel which involves direction, whether a wheel is turning and we're moving, or whether a wheel to steer a ship, uh, the word of God, and prayer. Uh, they help us vertically as we relate to God in worship. Uh, witnessing, which means sharing our faith with others and fellowship, is kind of horizontal. Those human relationships, these really balance us out. It helps us to understand who. It helps us to understand what is going on. And it also is a bridge then to the next thing that I want to talk about this morning, and that is what. All right? And we saw this. Uh, baptizing, teaching, teaching, baptizing. That's what we see. Jesus gave those instructions. And I want you to think about the way Jesus instructed. Were there times when Jesus had school with his disciples? Yes, there were. There were times when they sat down and they were gathered to him and he spoke so that they would listen and learn. I don't know if they had a notebook paper <laughs> back then exactly, or they're taking notes on their, on their smartphone while he's, you know, or they're, they're recording him and going live. I don't think that they were doing that uh, to record everything, but there were times when Jesus spoke and taught in ways that the disciples were designed to gain knowledge and understanding. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. 
Think about some of the longer passages where Jesus speaks. Think about um, how he responded to different people and the way the, the disciples uh, learned and gathered information. But they also received an on-the-job kind of training. Their teaching was active. So many times they found themselves in situations where they were completely out of control and had no idea what was going to happen. And that was part of the way Jesus taught them. Is he put them in situations where they had to rely on God. Sometimes they succeeded. Sometimes they fell flat on their face. We should expect nothing less as we seek to obey God. Ever fallen flat on your face in ministry before? I have. It may not be fun in the moment, but it helps us to identify with the way that Jesus guided his disciples through their life and through their training. He taught and he baptized. I don't want to diminish baptism. We talk about baptism in our church. We usually advertise it three times a year. We'll baptize uh, somebody uh, any more frequently than that upon request. If somebody is a new believer, we don't feel like we have to wait. Uh, we like to promote it regularly. Uh, baptism is a sign of obedience. It's a sign of being under the authority of Jesus. And so if you're a believer and you're not baptized, we'd love to talk to you about that and uh, explain it to you and help you get baptized to be in obedience uh, with Jesus. So who? People who are believing and growing. What? There's teaching and baptizing. And that teaching uh, has a wide range. All kinds of difficulty and challenge, excitement, heartache, joy, a mixture of all of that and more. Does it sound like a big adventure? It is. Making disciples is a lot of fun. Don's down here smiling and Zoe too. They know it, right? You can do it in a different place. We're going to get the nations in a minute, so just hang on. All right, when? Always. How do I know this from these verses? Well, it says it at the end. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We need to think about this for a minute. When do disciple-making efforts take place in the average Christian's life? Think about that for a minute. It's not a bad answer to say Sundays and Wednesdays. A lot of churches that we know in our area and throughout the U.S. focus their efforts on Sundays and Wednesdays, holding public worship services, Sunday school classes, Bible studies, programming in the middle of the week for children. We're not unlike a lot of churches, and it's not a terrible thing. But Jesus says, always, we have great rhythms of when people meet. You talk to some of our organizations that we support, and they have high points. Uh, camps love summertime. They have a high volume of people. That's when they get in their groove and do ministry. Uh, you talk to children's ministries, and they say, hey, well, I've got this after-school club, and these meet on this day of the week, and it's part of our rhythm. Now, I don't want you to avoid taking this to some extreme, that you're never allowed to eat, never allowed to shop or do housework or, or bathe or exercise or uh, maybe exercise, then bathe. We'll do that in that order. <laughs> all right? And you're not allowed to do any of those things because it's not real ministry and it's not productive for making disciples. All right? I'm not trying to suggest that Jesus said we should always, 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 always be doing this to the detriment of, of everything else in our lives. But if that's one extreme, we shouldn't go to the other extreme and say that ministry should only happen when we're at a church building or a function or in a class or in a study. That's a great place for ministry to happen, but we want to find a, a rhythm in our life that includes obedience, maybe when we're not gathered, and how God might use us in everyday situations and relationships. A lot more on that. I want you to be challenged on the when of discipleship. Okay, where? All nations. If you're a blank guesser, 
Did you get that one right? Okay, should have gotten that one right. If you're looking down your list, all nations. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The United States of America is an amazing country. As I mentioned, there are lots of resources available to us here and throughout the history of this nation. A lot of activity for the glory of God has happened in this land and within our borders and has been exported in the name of Jesus in mission across the lands. But... We are not the only nation. There are many other nations, many other people who worship different gods, who need to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Would have meant any group that was different from Matthew's Jewish readers. That's a challenge to our hearts. Think about the way that people who are different from this experience right here are portrayed. Often we are taught to fear people who believe differently. Jesus said, go to those people who believe differently. Tell them the truth. It's a challenge. I mentioned this is an adventure. That God's plan for us really is exciting. Where? All nations, we know that he is with us. Okay, why? I laughed at myself when I put why on here. Uh, The context is that a man was killed, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose from the dead. He had healed, he had preached, he had taught truth, he had brought people who didn't believe to believe. He had done amazing signs and wonders. And now he says, I have authority and obedience. Go and make disciples. If we're having trouble answering the question why, we might be asleep. (laughs) Don't be asleep. Don't be lulled into, oh, one more sermon about discipleship. Pick up the adventurous side of going out and making disciples under the authority of one who was dead and who is now alive. I'm not brilliant. I readily confess that. And so I need a lot of help. And when I survey my options about life and what to do and how to live it, I'm going with the guy that used to be dead and is now alive. I think that's a really good choice. That's what I'm going to do. Why? Why do I want to make disciples? Because I think that guy has authority. He has authority over death. He has authority over sin. He has changed my life. I want to obey him. I want to serve him with all that I have. Why? I hope we're not asleep. Now, you might scratch your head and you you might be churning a little bit. You might be challenged. You might be excited. I hope you're all of those things. It's a natural question, isn't it, to ask how? How do I do this? I've mentioned some things. Some of the things that uh, go on are, are great. We want to gain knowledge. I want people to know the Bible. Get in your Bible every day. Read a chapter. You know how long it takes to read a chapter of the Bible a day? It takes a few minutes. That's it. You can begin to relate with God and develop a rhythm and a pattern in your day-to-day life. I encourage you to be a part and be committed to a local church. 
That means developing a rhythm. I want to do my best to be there. I want to serve. I want to grow. I want to worship. I want to know other people. I can't love my neighbor if I don't love people. (laughs) I can't love God if I'm not there for worship or participating in those things. I want you to, to value that. A couple of graphics as we close today. I want you to think about how a, somebody who is not yet a believer, how that person becomes a disciple and then makes disciples. Okay? So on the left, we have the guy who's thinking about this. He's not sure about Jesus. He's asking questions. And we would love for him to be a part of a local church. We'd love to see him growing in Sunday school classes and worship services and learning how to pray. We'd love to see um, maybe some service in weekly programming. We, we do different special events uh, for youth ministries, children's ministries, uh, different studies, all those sorts of things. We'd love for people to say, yeah, I know that part of my discipleship is being part of a local church. All right? But if all we ever do is wait for that guy to come to our church, what's the problem? I will openly argue with you and encourage with you that four or five decades ago, that's an okay model. Because four or five decades ago, people naturally went to church more than they do now. Church used to be a more acceptable place societally to be. Now it is less so. So the target in the middle is how can we reach people if they're not as willing to come here? Well, we get to go to them. This is go and make disciples. So what we want to do is try to encourage basic evangelism, basic discipleship in a small group format that you can use at a dinner gathering in your house or meeting somebody for coffee or a kid's play date or whatever it happens to be, different formats. That's what we want to do. So we're spending time and energy this year learning and doing. And so as we target that in the middle, what we become, every single one of us, Bible calls us a priesthood of believers. It's not just a staff person's job to, to do this. We can all be trained to do this. We become a bridge. Where that guy who doesn't know, he meets somebody on his street or at school or whoever, and that person begins to share and begins to pour into him some basic truths about who Jesus is and shows him some of the basic elements of what, what being a part of a church is like and meets him and then becomes a bridge to church fellowship, where we believe that commitment is very, very vital. And so what I want to do today is I want to say we've got a next step offer. I'm not trying to compete with our Sunday school classes. Those will uh, resume hopefully soon. Stay tuned. We're in the, in the middle of evaluating programming and structure and how things are going to reopen. Continue to pray for that. But one of the things that we've been, we have had a small group this summer uh, who has begun to learn uh, basic uh, evangelism techniques and a basic small group that will help expose people to the truths, basic truths of Christianity. One thing, if you're interested, I would readily offer that you take about 10, 11 weeks between roughly Labor Day and Thanksgiving and say, I'll be a part of a group. And we'll have flexibility on when they meet, where they meet, All we want to know over the next couple of weeks is, are you interested? Would you want to learn things to be that bridge to help target people who don't believe? Basic additional steps to go and make disciples. Strategically excited 
to learn this and to help train you and build you up so that you can find the joy in doing this in your day-to-day -day life. That's the offer. Well, what do you do if you say yes? Well, right here in your bulletin, <laughs> at the bottom of this, it says, uh, and hopefully you didn't spill coffee all over yours, sermon response, put your name and say, yep, I'm interested, or nope, uh, I want to ask some questions, be glad to call you, explain what that group might feel like and look like, be glad to explain that to you. Just rip it off and drop it in the offering box, we'll sort those out and make sure that we get them. All right? Love, love, love to begin to train uh, some of you this fall as the Lord may prick your heart and uh, encourage you, perhaps even convict you to come and say, hey, I don't know that I have some of those skills, I want to learn it. It's modeling, it's not high pressure, it's not the driver's license test, it's, hey, uh, we want to obey, we want to serve Jesus right where we are in our world, in our day-to-day -day lives, and to help others know him. Would you pray with me?